Okay, everyone, welcome to the Respect the Math podcast brought to you by Reliable Tech Help. For all your IT needs, call Reliable Tech Help at 502-797-7399 or visit our website at reliabletechhelp.com. That's reliabletechhelp.com. I'm your host, Digital David Snyder. Here at the Respect the Math podcast, we talk about everything from technology to business, science, popular culture, and more. Basically, the things that I'm interested in because I'm kind of selfish that way. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and podcast apps from Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, and others. Please interact with us online, and if you like what you hear, please subscribe and share our content. We'd love to hear from you. Today, our guest is Daryl Sweeney. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. He's a business coach. He helps entrepreneurs, leaders, and prof- professionals, both lo- locally and internationally, uh, with development, uh, pro- professional development and business goals and achieving those things. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Tell us more about yourself. Yeah, I guess professionally, first and foremost, um, it's you've kind of highlighted it. I'm a business coach that tackles anything and everything with my clients. I mean, we dig into what's going on in their business. We dig into what's going on in their teams. And really, what are the things they want to create? What are they chasing after? Uh, so that is me professionally, is I get to partner with just powerful people every day to help them create the business, the future, the life that they really want to lean into and live into. Yeah. Um, on the personal side, I am I'm married to my beautiful wife, Meredith. So we've been married for 10 years now. We have two incredible sons. So I love being a dad. I'm sure that will be a part of my story that comes out. Um, but Samuel and Noah, Samuel just turned eight. Mm. Noah is six. And uh, we are having all of the fun you can imagine. I am really enjoying being, I call myself about seven years old right now. I'm really yeah. stuck in the middle of that six and eight year old. Yeah, I have a three-year-old son. It surprised me how much how much I would literally and thoroughly just enjoy creating experiences for him and being a kid with him at the same time. So I can yeah. certainly relate. That's awesome. Well, tell us more about your background, your educational background, your professional experience, your life experiences that kind of coalesced into this path you've ta- taken walking with people and helping them to develop their business goals. I like that you start with very small, narrow questions. <laughs> yeah. Let's get right to the point, That's Darryl. right. Um You know, forever I talked, I used to tell people that I have a very non-linear career Mm -hmm. and it always felt like it kind of went every which way. And I went to Xavier in Cincinnati, uh, so not far from Louisville. And I went there, I'd seen some leadership stuff. My dad was a captain in the Marine Corps. My mom was a teacher. So I'd seen some leadership stuff. Mm -hmm. I saw when he retired from the Marine Corps, he ended up being an entrepreneur. And I kind of knew that I wanted to go that entrepreneur way, um, but I didn't know what that meant or what I'd do with it. Um, a year after graduating college, I had went, got the job after college, and that was great. And But I started my first business a year after graduating. And that launched me into my entrepreneurial journey. Really? And a year, a year a after graduating? Yeah. Tell us about it. <laughs> so, we, so when I was in college, a buddy of mine and I created a bedpost shelf. You might be asking yourself, what in the heck is a bedpost shelf? Hopefully it was a better mousetrap, was it? It was. It, at the time, it felt like the only mousetrap. Okay. Um, so we both were on top bunks. At the time, I wore glasses, and we had things called alarm clocks that plugged into yeah. the wall that told you when to wake up and get to class. Yeah. And being on the top bunk, there was never anywhere to put those things. Okay. So I, we would stuff glasses in the sides of beds, or people would put them under pillows or alarm clocks. So where do they go? Yeah. And as somebody who could be fond of the snooze button, I did not like the idea of jumping down and out of bed to hit snooze to only jump back up and into bed. It just disrupted the whole process. So a product called the mini mantle was born. It was made out of wood. It was just a shelf that 
parked itself over top of one of the bedposts. Okay. We created them, we built them, we sold them around campus one summer. Um, campus security kicked us off and said, we're not allowed to do that. And oh. that was kind of the immediate rise and fall of the mini mantle. Okay. Um, however, about a, a few months, six, eight, ten months after graduating, I got a call from my buddy from college. He was living in New York. I was in Louisville. And he told me that he had taken one of these, he had found one of these old shelves in his closet. And he had called up the Invention Submission Corporation and that they were going to help him produce and sell the mini mantle to make it commercially viable for ninety seven percent of revenue. That's or, exactly yeah. right, and, and, and all now, the royalties. And I, and, David, yeah. I don't recall this conversation whatsoever. The way he tells it, um, I told him, "Well, there's good news and bad news." And I think the bad news is that I think you just wasted a thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the good news is that if you want to make a go of this, like let's just figure it out. How hard can this thing called business be? Yeah. <laughs> and so we did. We read a book. We found an engineer. We developed CAD drawings. We found a sourcing agent. We brought ten thousand of these things over from China. And this this is the resurrection of the mini mantle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Round two point oh. So we brought ten thousand of these now injection molded plastic bedpost shelves. That's a serious over investment. From China. Um, well, it made so much sense because this was such a brilliant product that, of course, one phone call to Target or Bed Bath & Beyond, and they would be begging us yeah. for all 10000 and wrong? more. What could go wrong? Yeah. Well, that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> we made the phone call. They had a different, they received it differently than we thought it would go. Yeah. So suddenly we're looking at, we've got 10000 of these things. Um, we don't know what to do with them how to make this a business. So we just started hustling and we started taking them to where the customers, the clients were. And so we started talking to college bookstores and we literally went into any, and we, we would call, we would set appointments. We'd go into these college bookstores and talk to these managers. We'd set appointments with the people who would agree to see us. And we would just show up to meet the people that wouldn't. Uh -huh. <laughs> and we sold these things at 12 at a time. Um, wow. So we did that all over the country and that grew into being on shelves in 350 college bookstores, which then wow. got the attentions of Bed Bath & Beyond, Linens and & Things, some of the major retailers, and that business grew. So that was the very first business I started, and that rolled into the other things I did beyond that. What a great start. What a great story. Um, now, did you sell that business? Or are you still affiliated with it? Or Oh, God, no. Um, thank God I am done with the college business. So that, that was the impetus for my second business, which was an e-commerce company. So one of the things we saw with that shelf is we would have companies, e-commerce e companies reach out to us and say, hey, we're building this storefront and we want you to drop ship the product. Like if we get a customer sure. and we get an order, will you send it to that? And sure, we yeah. did that. And one of the things we saw was that a lot of these companies, in our opinion, because again, you got to remember, we're great entrepreneurs at this point. <laughs> so a lot of these companies said, look, they're not doing a great job. And if they can make money kind of doing it the way they're doing it, what if somebody really tackled this college market really, really well? Yeah. So the idea behind dorm buys was born and we built an e-commerce company called dorm buys. We sold anything and everything for college students living on campus. So the twin XL sheets, the space savers, the posters, just anything you can imagine that would be in a dorm room, yeah. we sold. So we had over 4,000 different products. We had a warehouse here in Louisville, Kentucky, shipped all over the country every single day. Wow. Um, was and the mini mantle an, an The mini a mantle was, uh, w w was certainly an offering and yeah. a staple. 
Okay. Um, and, it, and it was great. And, and I learned a ton about business. I learned a ton about partnership. I learned a ton about building teams. I learned a ton about adversity. Just so much learning in that experience. And through, well, how deep you want to go in this, through a partner divorce and buying him out and all this stuff and recessions and economy, just all of it. I just learned so much. Yeah. And I ended up selling that business to a group out of New York in 2012. Um, and when I say sell, I don't want to glamorize the idea of selling the business. I sold the business. I wasn't able to pay a little bit of debt. Yeah. That was about it. Okay. Um, but then I got married a week later, and kind of the next chapter of my life began. Yeah. So you learned a lot. Hands-on, guerrilla marketing. You said you showed up to the people that said no no, anyways. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. A lot of people who grind um, and don't take no for an answer long enough, you'll get to where you want to be, right? Yeah. Yeah, so tell us, you know, give us the top three things you learned from that that you bring to your coaching now. Because it had to, had mm. to be such a influential, um, you know, an influence on you, right? It formed you in, in yeah. a way. That's a beautiful question, and one I haven't gotten. Oh, okay. So as a coach, we ask a ton of questions, so I have deep respect for a great question. And that Thank feels you. Like well, a you're in the hot question. seat now, so. Yeah, yeah, I like this. Reverse the tables. Um, I think first and foremost, and again, reflection right the opportunity to reflect and learn and look back and see how you would have done it differently um, one of the things i mentioned a divorce from my partner um, we didn't know what we didn't know and him and i were great at working together and that lasted right up until we started to grow our team and we mm -hmm. just had very different leadership styles. Mm -hmm. uh, we just believed different things. And we spent he spent two years trying to convince me that his way was the right way. And I spent two years trying to convince him that my way was the right way. And yeah. we were both so sure. Right? What we believed, we treated as fact. I believe that to be collaborative, to surround yourself with people who were smarter than you was the right way to build a business. He believed that you know, having a really tight structure and hierarchical system and that kind of structure was what would get us to where we needed to be. Top down versus yeah. bottom up. Kind and of we both treated it as fact. And the reality is, and what I can see now is there were no facts anywhere involved. Right? Both of those structures can be and are successful every single day. Mm. Right? So I think one of the things I really work with with my clients is to help them separate fact from thought. Because we bring these situations either with bosses or our team or clients or customers or situations, and we treat them as facts. Yeah. If there's facts, there's nowhere to go. But if we can start to tease out what is fact, what is circumstance, and circumstance is just that, it's circumstance. It's not good or bad, positive or negative, effective yeah. or ineffective. It's right? fluid Those and are dynamic. all thoughts. It's fluid and dynamic. 100%. Too. Yeah. So if we can see the fact and the circumstance, we can separate. And what is our thinking around said fact, said circumstance, then it gives us a lot more flexibility a lot more options we can see possibilities that didn't feel available to us just a moment ago yeah so that is something that i saw then that i learned the hard way okay before we get to the next phase of your life after you married your wife um can you talk about what you said fact versus thought so much what we think is a fact is really not and our thoughts i think you and i had a brief conversation a few weeks ago about the difference between the, uh, our beliefs and our thoughts and the wor words we choose to use to narrate our life. Yeah. That kind of defines our life, right? How yeah. do you see that play out? And when you're helping people reach their business goals and their professional development goals, you probably have to do a lot of unlearning of that, right? It's, it's the learning is in understanding how the mind works. And I will tell you that when I got into coaching, 
I didn't think I would talk about mental agility, the the mindset and and our thinking as much as I do. And I talk about it every single day. You know, most of my clients don't knock on my door or pick up the phone and say, hey, I really want to understand how my mind works. I really want to understand my thinking, right? They're talking about doubling their revenue. They're talking about building a more powerful team. They're talking about opening new locations. But at the foundation of all that is what's going on mentally for us. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I think one of the misunderstandings that is most common, and, and I know this is certainly true for me, is this idea that Life is experienced from the outside in. And I feel the way I feel because this thing out there happened to me, because mm-hmm. my partner said the thing to me, because my employee showed up late, because we just lost our ba- I feel how I feel because of that thing out there. Mm. And as much as that feels real, it's just not true. Yeah. And in helping my clients see that and understand that, they become incredibly powerful. They become bulletproof in how they show up as leaders, how they show up as owners. The reality is, and the way this really works, is that life is experienced from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Right? The fact that my employee didn't show up today or that I lost my biggest account isn't what made me feel the way I feel. That's a circumstance. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about circumstance or fact, the way I help people just really easily define it is it's probably a fact or circumstance of everybody in the world would agree with this. If everybody in the world would agree. And if they wouldn't, chances are you're dealing with a thought. Mm. Right? So we can all agree, yes, that client just ended their agreement with you. Yeah. We can all agree that your employee was supposed to be here at 8 a.m. and rolled in at 8.42 a.m. They were late. That's not what's causing the suffering, the pain, the way you feel. What's causing that is you're thinking about the situation. You're thinking about the fact. And by mastering our thinking, by really understanding what our mind does it turns our minds from something that is sabotaging us, that is slowing us down, that is making it harder to create the things we want to create. And it turns it into a powerful partner. Our minds, our thinking is the most powerful things in our life. Mm. And if you want something a little controversial, because what better than to come on somebody else's show and say things that sure. I love challenging people's thinking. So that's yeah. one thing to know about me. I love challenging people's thinking. Well, the great Eric Bischoff said controversy creates cash. And he made a lot of money. So. <laughs> so, so there's some evidence there. Yeah. Our minds are the most powerful things in our lives, right? Yes. My mind is the most powerful thing in my life. Your mind is the most powerful thing in your life. And the same is true to for everybody listening to this. Mm-hmm. Our minds are more powerful than God. And I share this with clients. And several of my clients pause. Right? That makes yeah. them uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I simply ask. Because they say, look, nothing's more powerful than God. And what I mean by this is I say, great. Well, God has given us a book that is literally the word of God. And they say, yes, the Bible, the word of God. How many times in that book is God reminding you not to fear, not to worry, not to feel anxious? Mm -hmm. Right. It's over some of the most popular, most oft written things in the Bible. Sure. And yet, do you fear? Do you worry? Do you feel anxious? Right? Because our minds can accept that as intellectually true. And we're basically telling God, yeah, but. Right. Yeah, but you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand my, right? We still feel those emotions. And that's just how powerful our minds are. So this is not saying that any one of us is more powerful than God's. But our mind can take the word of God and still, yeah, but the heck out of it. Interesting. 
Yeah, that's that's definitely controversial. That's counter doctrinal for a lot of your old school uh, <laughs> evangelicals and believers. But um, I like that. You know, one thing you spend thirty seconds in a room with Daryl, and you automatically get a sense of his charisma and his enthusiasm. And I'm glad you brought up God because that segues nice to the next question I wanted to ask you. Um, in all, uh, um, being in the interest of full disclosure, I'm an agnostic atheist. Mm-hmm. However, I'm not hostile towards religion. Yeah. I'm glad that most people go to church on Sunday and are told to love their neighbor and be kind and forgive people and be generous and all that. So, and those are my values. And I was raised in that tradition. And I, th- I think that formed a lot of who I am today and my integrity and my character and my values. Uh, my disagreement is just a uh, philosophical disagreement with the packaging and the delivery of it, not the actual message itself. Um, but that being said, um, I can't help but notice your, like I said, your charisma and your enthusiasm and your passion, can you talk about how how your faith, because you wear that on your on your sleeve, yeah, right? Yeah. You don't make any apologies about that, and I like that. Can you uh-huh. talk about how that influences you as a person, and and how it influences your um, your philosophy when it comes to to helping people reach their goals? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in the spirit of full disclosure, I am a Christ follower. Um, I grew up Christian. Uh, we went to church on Sundays. We did all this stuff. Ironically, I came up through public schools. I went to a Jesuit university, or mm. for those that may not know, it's like the really serious Catholics. Okay. <laughs> so I went to a Jesuit university. Um, I was not Catholic, so I'm suddenly in school surrounded by a bunch of Catholics, and they're doing things called mass. I wasn't involved in any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I came back, when I graduated, I... You know, I think the terms deconstruction is getting really popular. And and I think for as it pertains to my story, I saw the faith story that was handed to me. Right. There's so many things that we pick up in our lives. Right. So thoughts about ourselves, thoughts about religion, thoughts about work and work ethics, so much that we that is handed to us that we just never really ask questions about. And I saw how that story was handed to me. And I just had questions uh, from a standpoint of, okay, what do I believe? What do I see? What feels true for me? And I will tell you that through, I, I really started to struggle with the hypocrisy of some of the packaging, as you put it, right? I, I struggled with, you know, who we were being called to be. But even more than that, I struggled with what for me felt like a lack of leadership in the church. You know, I grew up in very white spaces. So I, I, if, you're listening to this. I'm a black man who grew up in very white spaces. Were both your parents black or are you biracial? Okay. Both of my parents were black. Uh, We grew up on the East end of Louisville. We were, you know, one of two black families in the neighborhood that we grew up in. Um, So I had some opportunities that a lot of people that looked like me didn't. So I just, I grew up in a lot of white spaces. And what came from that is I was always comfortable in a lot of white spaces. So when, even as an, a young adult and then married, I would go to non-denominational Christian churches and I would still be in the minority and I would see these things. And when we start talking about some of the controversies, some of the circumstances that were happening and unfolding in our country, I found myself longing for the leadership. I'm like, man, if we're, what better time for us to pick up this mantle, the model that Jesus was for us, the thing that God calls us to be, some of the exact same core values you just spoke about. Mm-hmm. What better time to pick these up and take a real hard look at who we're being in the world, how we're showing up. What does it mean to love our neighbor? What does it mean to, 
show grace. What does some, what do some of these things mean? And I felt like I would show up in churches on Sundays and we weren't having these conversations. Yeah. And, and it really struck me as a lack of leadership. And I found myself pulling away from religion because I didn't see the people around me modeling it. And I didn't see the leadership leading with it. Mm. Um, so a ton of judgment, right? Like uh, and just a ton of judgment along with it. And ironically, I still do not go to church every Sunday, yet I have developed a stronger relationship with God than I've ever had because I let go of this thing that I was just showing up for Mm -hmm. and had to figure out what is this relationship, what is real, and what is true for me. I believe in a higher power. I believe that there is a God. I believe that we're all connected, that there is no separation between you and I, I don't believe, you know, I look around and I see just the beautiful and the miracle of life. And it's, yeah, this doesn't just happen, you know, and I see the presence of God in my life and my faith. And it's just, it's a part of who I am. I know that I am a child. I know that I am a, I'm connected to this source. And one of the things that, so your question about how this shows up in my coaching is one of the things that I am consistently inviting my clients to do. And this has nothing to do with my religion or yours or anybody else's is, hey, how do we connect to that inner divinity? You see, I think we're all gods. Like, I think we're all gods with a little g. I think we're all creators. I think we all have this inner wisdom, this inner divinity um, from a kind of religious, Christian religious tradition, you would call it the Holy Spirit. But we have this thing inside of us that we can connect to. And so often we give away that power. We look to things outside of us and we don't connect internally. Mm-hmm. So while there are a lot of people that are going to show up and, and there's a million people out there that can help people grow their business or market their business or consult or coach or whatever you want to call it. I, I don't show up with all the answers. Now this may come across cocky, but I can coach anybody on anything because I don't have to be the expert. I don't, you know, reliable tech help. I need you guys to be the expert. I need you guys. There are things that you know that I fundamentally don't. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. Yeah. There is, there is absolutely, when I coach, I don't need to be a subject matter expert because my clients are subject matter experts both on their lives and their businesses. I can partner with them. I can challenge them. I can invite them to connect to something deeper, connect to that wisdom, connect to that creator that, helps them solve challenges, helps them see possibility, helps them figure things out in their business in some really powerful ways. Most, a lot of people come to me because they want the tips, they want the tricks, they want the tactics or the strategy. Mm -hmm. What are the tools you have? We just want your toolbox. I challenge, support, and love my clients at a core level. Like I want to know what's the thing beneath the thing beneath the thing Mm. because I don't have any interest in hanging out at the surface. Like let's get down to it. And honestly, that is why, and, and I, I do what I call, I coach around insight, right? Like I, I'm not here to just give you the answer or that I coach around insight. I want you to see what's really going on at a deeper level. Mm. And here's what's fun about that is that for most of, I'll say for all of us, where we are in one place in our lives, we are in every place in our lives. The things that are showing up and slowing us down professionally are also showing up in your marriage and your relationship with your kids and your relationship with your parents. They're showing up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Who we're being in one place, chances are we're being every place. Mm-hmm. And when we see insights, when we see something new, when we see something we couldn't see before in any of these places, my clients, not only do their businesses change, 
but their marriages changed. My clients tell me they have better marriages than they ever had. We never talk about their marriages. Yeah. But when you have an insight, when you see something fundamentally different, when something is revealed to you and you tap into something which didn't feel real just a moment ago, the ripple effects of that spread everywhere, mm. not just in the thing we're talking about. Wow, that's articulate. That's um, It's a more of a holistic approach. And uh, when you were talking, so many ideas were running through my mind. One of them was a metaphor I like to use with people who are struggling with something. I say, if you have a, your tire's getting low on your car, you can pull up to any gas station and you can pump air in the tire, right? And it'll stay inflated for a while. It might be a day or two or a few hours or whatever, but eventually it's going to go down again. Daryl's not out here inflating your tire. Daryl's helping you find the hole in your tire, the nail that's stuck on your tire, whatever it might be, helping you discover that for yourself, which it sounds like based on what you said, the individual has to discover that for themselves. You're just help as- asking questions and trying to understand the situation to help them point themselves in the direction of self-discovery and self-awareness to figure that out. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. It's yeah. a gr- it's, it's a great analogy and it's really well said. I can, we just said our minds are the most powerful things in our lives. I mean, how many times do people tell you how good you are at something or how great you are, how helpful you are? And in the back of your mind, I have this, man, I hope they never find out. I hope they never see me. Or we deflect those things because we don't feel great. We don't feel power. We don't see ourselves as that. Mm -hmm. So for me to just go around telling people, here's the answer or here's the thing or do it like this and them still coming from that place of insecurity or not being able to see it for themselves, see them as these creators, as these powerful beings, as these leaders in their own businesses. right? So you can take the best tip, the best tactic, the best strategy and if it's still coming from a place that truly isn't serving you, one of my favorites, so, so a big influence on my life is a man named Steve Hardison. There's a book out called The Ultimate Coach, and he's referred to as the ultimate coach. He lives in Phoenix, Arizona. And there's a saying that he says for that is to take the tool or the strategy or, or this thing from somebody else and put it on top of all of these insecurities that this this soft sinking foundation it's like putting frosting on dog shit and i have no interest in putting frosting on dog shit like i work with my clients to understand the dog shit to get around the dog shit to build a solid foundation and go from there and what they see is they go so much they go further faster they accomplish the things and everything around them gets better because of that like we're not just looking to throw something over the top that feels good for a few moments we're not looking to just put air in the tire only for it to go flat two miles down the road yeah i like that i was in a trigonometry course a few years ago because i'm a student of math and science and physics etc and the teacher uh, was explaining a concept and she probably explained that concept you know five or six times a semester for the last 30 years of her teaching career. But in that moment, she saw something she'd never seen before. And that, mo- and, and that, that light bulb went off in her head. And I thought to myself, if you're shepherding people towards, towards um, self-discovery, you're also learning something about yourself, right? Can you talk about what, what Daryl Sweeney learns when he's helping people on that journey of self-discovery? I'm sure it turns a light bulb off in your head. It obviously gets you excited. I mean, it's your life's, you know, your life's purpose and your, your life. Your professional life's purpose yeah. and so forth. Can you talk about some things you've learned about yourself and what that what that what that experience is like and how it motivates you? I'm sure it's inspiring too, right? It's a big question. Um, That's a big show. <laughs> I so first of all, I think I have the greatest job in the world because I 
every conversation I have, I get to see things. I see things for me. I see things for my family, for my business, for my kids. Like I, I learn from my clients every single day um, and they pay me. So it's, it, it, it's beautiful. It works out great. Yeah. It's a pretty good deal. Um, but I think one of the things that I'm just seeing over and over and over, and I see it in so many of the conversations. So two things, one, forever I took myself just so seriously right and and I believed me I believed what my mind was telling me about me and I've come to really see that I am probably the worst judge of me mm. on the planet yeah the same is true for everybody else mm-hmm. and I see it with my clients see the beautiful thing for me is I get to work with leaders and CEOs and entrepreneurs. So things that feel deeply personal to them, the things they don't tell their partners and their employees and their spouses come to me. And, and, and we have those conversations because of this intimate trusted space that we create. Yeah. And I get to see the patterns. I get to see the imposter syndrome show up. I get to see the insecurity. I get to see the judgment show up. I get to see all these things show up. And because the people I work with, because we're not having these conversations in our day-to-day lives, it feels deeply personal. Mm. I see the patterns, right? I see how normal it is. And one of the things that is just constantly revealed to me is that it's just how bad of a judge of who we are, we really are. Our mind has painted this belief about who I am that is so far from the truth and we just can't see it. And that is something, especially over these last, I'd say the last month since my last trip to England where I spent time with my coach. I spent time with other men doing this deep work. I came back from that trip knowing exactly who I am. And that is reaffirmed and shown to me now in every conversation I have and every introduction I have and every email I exchange and everything I do, it is reaffirming who I am. And it amazes me all the judgment I brought about myself and how I just couldn't see it until now. And now that I know it, now that I can see it, my whole life is changing. Yeah. It comes off as so personal and sincere for you. This is not transactional. Daryl is not looking looking for his next client. It'll be client X and it's number 23 and he's going to make X amount of dollars. Daryl is looking for a connection with someone. He wants to walk with someone and help them discover what's inside of them and, and you, correct me if I'm wrong, you don't know what that's going to look like when they discover it. You know things about it. You know you know from your experience it'll help them get better decision-making and more confidence and self-esteem and some self-awareness and all that. But isn't the beautiful thing that you point that person in that direction, you walk with them, you nudge them, and eventually they discover it? It's a beautiful thing that's unique to them, right? Yeah. And that's got to be cool. I mean, that, that's got to get you out of bed in the morning, right? It's incredible. Um you know, Steve Chandler, and I've got a lot of Steve influences in my life, but Steve Chandler says it like this, and it's always stuck with me, is says, you know, people come to consultants and coaches and change workers, mostly with goal line stuff. And I love goal line stuff. It, it has its hey, place. I want to yeah. make a million dollars. I want to open a second location. I want to double the size of the team. I want to have more create more leads and, and just all that, like employee morale. Yeah. All that stuff is great. Those are all goal line things. And there's a lot of people. There are a lot of coaches and consultants that work with people on goal line stuff. And I've hired and worked with a lot of coaches that have coached me on goal line stuff and they've been great. And then I started having transformational coaching experiences. My coach is a man named Ankush Jain and he is based over in England. And I would put 
Kush in the top 1% of coaches in the world. I don't shy away from that. I pay Kush a good amount of money. We talk every single week. We do deep work. He is helping me transform my business and my life and my marriage. Everything we do touches everything I am and that I do. Mm. And one of the, so, so we have the goal line stuff, right? And that's why I hired Kush for goal line stuff. Mm-hmm. I launched the coaching business. I wanted to take it to the next level. I saw him as a partner who could help me do that. And we talk goal line stuff all the time. One of the things Steve Chandler said, and then I think Kush is a beautiful example of this, and this is how I like to work with people, is the great coaches among us. While we're working on the goal line stuff, and if the goal line is what we're doing in the world, we're also working on what would I call soul line stuff. And soul mm. line is who we're being in the world. Mm. And the great coaches among us can work with people on both. Who, mm. What am I doing in my business and who am I being as a leader? What am I doing in my marriage, in my life, and who am I being as a spouse, as a partner, as a father, as a mother? Mm. The best among us can help people grow and achieve on both of those lines at the same time, regardless of the topic that is brought into the conversation. That's deep. That needs to be restated. Some, some, some people can focus on goal line, and there's a place for that and a time for that. Other people can look at that and also keep the soul in mind, soul line and goal line development. I like that. Um, I'm assuming when you're doing both, they're feeding each other and feeding off of each other, and you get this nice little synergy and this creative juice and energy flowing that's um, not going to not not be a result of just focusing on goal line stuff, right? Yeah, all the time because they're connected. So here's another way that we can look at this, and that is, People come to coaches, people hire coaches or consultants or whoever they might hire to help them in their business because, and then they want to, what should I do? You know, I made a million dollars this year. I want to grow it to 5 million. What should I do to grow it, to, to achieve this future result that I'm looking for? And it begs the question, well, where's your doing coming from, right? For some people, our doing comes from how we feel in the moment, I felt like making the sales calls. I felt like, you know, showing up this way. I felt like doing the work. So what happens when you don't feel like it, mm-hmm. right? So our doing can come from our feeling in the moment. And life is experienced moment to moment. That could be a scary proposition if I've got this big goal. And well, how often are you going to feel like doing what's required? And I think a more powerful question is who do you have to be to create that $5 million goal? Yeah, and, and our doing can come from our commitment to who we're being in our jobs, in our works, in our marriages, in our lives. Right? If our doing comes from feeling, then it can be all over the place. If our doing comes from a commitment of who we're being, if I'm committed, truly committed, and and there, I live in distinction. You'll find I, I love language. I know you do too. Mm-hmm. I love nuance. I love distinction. When I talk about committed to being a great leader. I'm not talking about I intend to be a great leader. I show up as a great leader when it's convenient or when I feel like it. Are you really, truly committed to being a great leader? And if so, how do we honor that commitment? How does our doing, the decisions we make, the way we show up, how does our doing come from that commitment, come from that place of who you're being? That is an opportunity for us all to step into. And I don't want to create the $5 million in revenue for you because you don't need me to do that. I want to help you become the leader in your organization who can create the $5 million in revenue. I coach people. 
I work with leaders. I work with executives. I work with fathers. I work with people to be the people that they want to be in their lives and in their businesses. And the results follow. It's yeah. always a byproduct. Yeah. It's a lag indicator there, right? You mentioned the word feeling. I can guarantee you Michael Jordan didn't feel like practicing 100 free throws every day or putting up 200 jump shots or going in the gym for two hours after he, he and then lifting and running after he just spent four or five hours practicing and going over game footage. He didn't feel like doing the majority of that, but he was so committed to the ultimate goal, right? That's of, of achieving excellence. His doing came from, that's a beautiful example. His doing came from his commitment. He knew where he wanted to go. He knew what he wanted to achieve. And he asked himself, who do I have to be to achieve that? I have to be, a guy that puts up the 100 jump shots, that shoots the free throws, that does the running. Right? And in any of the greats, you talk about you know, Kobe Bryant. You talk about, I'm trying to think. I was reading a book, and they talked about um, he, he, he was a player in the NBA that played you know, into his late 30s. Right? So he's the old guy on the block. Yeah. And they're talking about commitment. And he said, you know, to do this, at the level that I do it, and for as long as I've been doing it and want to keep doing it, like fast foods, I, getting food through a fast food window is not an option for me, Yeah. regardless of how I feel in the moment. I love that stuff. When the guys go out drinking or on the road, that is not an option for me. To skip stretching after every workout and every game, that is not an option to me. I am committed to performing at this level and at this age, and that takes other things off of the table for me. Now, most people will hear that as limiting. I hear that as freedom. Yeah. He is creating exactly what he wants to do and create in the world. And because he is so committed to that, he doesn't have to think about the fast food window. He doesn't have to think about the nights out drinking. So again, it's an invitation for people to think about what are you truly committed to? What do you want to be committed to? And what do you want to create from that place? And who do you have to be to create those outcomes for yourself. Yeah. Are you familiar with a guy named Jocko? He's a motivation. Uh, Jocko Willing? Yeah. He, um, he, he has the phrase, earn your sunrise. Have you heard that? Mm -hmm. He gets out in the morning and he's, he's seven days a week. He's running on the beach and somewhere, sometime during his run, the sunrise comes yeah. up and he earned his sunrise. I thought that was really motivating. He also said the same thing. He said, people look at my lifestyle and they're like, oh my, oh my God, you're so disciplined. That must be hard. Right. He's like, no, it's freeing. The, the structure and the and the the structure and the guidelines and the walls that are in place as a result of my discipline free me up. I know what I have to do before sunrise. I know what I have to eat for breakfast. I know what I have to. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And and then so for everybody else looking from the outside in, what looks limiting and very uh, imposing and burdensome, right? To him is liberating and free. Um, I thought that I'm sure you've heard of that guy. Um, wasn't he a Navy SEAL or something yeah, like that, yeah. too? he wrote yeah. the book Extreme Ownership. Okay, awesome. Um, you know, one thing um, you mentioned earlier, too, was, you know, get feeling you have to do more more than what you feel in the moment. Uh, I heard, uh, you know, Anthony O'Neill, he's part of the Dave Ramsey team. No, he I'm went not off familiar and, with him. He used to be a Ramsey personality. He wrote the book called Dead Free Degree. I'm a big Dave Ramsey guy, even though I'm an atheist, but... Um, um, he's uh, has his own podcast now, now called The Table. It's it's phenomenal. I recommend it for anybody. And he likes to tell people nothing extraordinary ever is achieved within your comfort zone. Mm. That's just a fact of life. You can get some things done in your comfort zone, and you can have a comfortable life, but you're never going to do anything extraordinary while staying within your comfort zone. You've got to get uncomfortable. 
and eventually you've got to get good at being uncomfortable, right? And crave the, the, the discomfort if you want to make real progress, right? Yeah. Can you comment on that? I'm thinking about what you just said. You have to crave the discomfort. Yeah. It wasn't comfortable for Michael Jordan to practice however many hours a day he did. He had to, and you can only do that. You can only, you can only with, withstand and tolerate the discomfort for so long until you get to a point where you, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it does. I, I think this goes back to what we're saying though, right? Because I don't know if, I don't know that I have to crave it. I don't know that I have to even like it. I just have to do it. Okay. You know, it's just man up and do it. Well, because again, if my commitment, if, if my doing is coming from a place that is not connected to my feeling, I don't need to change the way I feel. See, this is where I think a lot of people miss it is is we think, okay, there are thoughts that aren't serving me. So I better do something with those thoughts or there are feelings that aren't helping me show up as my best at work or at home or anywhere else. So I have to do something with that feeling. And I challenge people on that because I'm like, why? Like, what? why do we need to make our brains come up with this thought instead of that thought? Or so? I, I think there's a place for some of that. But I also think it's, I think we make it too difficult. Yeah. Right? Why can't this stuff show up for us? You know, I'm willing to bet that Michael Jordan, I've never met the man, never talked to him. I'm willing to bet that Michael Jordan, if he showed up 100 days in a row when the alarm went off, and he had the feeling, I don't want to go to the gym today. He would be there 100 out of 100 times. Oh, yeah. Right? He didn't need the feeling. He didn't need the thought, I don't want to go to the gym today to go away in order to do his thing. And this is what we're talking about. You mentioned miracles. One of the things I say, I actually just wrote a post um, on Facebook about this, about commitment creates miracles. Right? Commitment creates miracles. If I'm committed to creating $5 million going from 1 million to 5 million, me being truly committed to that is going to create the miracle. If I'm committed to, and we can take something as simple as losing weight. Let's take a real example. So I went to dinner last night with some friends and I've been on a health journey of my own. Um, I've lost a lot of weight. I want to continue. I just told my wife that I'm going to be in the best shape of my life in 2023. How much did you lose out of curiosity? So I've lost 60, almost 70 pounds so wow. far. And the right way by diet and yeah, exercise? Yeah, just it's, it's I've Good tried, I've tried all the, I think I literally tried all the wrong ways. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing I would say, it's not, they weren't wrong ways. They were extreme ways that I learned something from, mm -hmm. right? They weren't sustainable, but I found some things that really work for me. I know how to do this and I'm creating transformation in my life and my commitment I, <laughs> the number of days I don't want to go to the gym, right? The number of days, well, again, I, I set a real example. So last night, my wife and I had dinner with friends and we went to Valari and we haven't been there in a very long time. And it's a restaurant here in Louisville that, I mean, their, their menu is incredible. They're sort of, they just do it really, first really well. Everything. And the first thing I open up, I'm a bourbon guy and I happen to eat low carb, low sugar bourbon guy I look out and I'm like man I like a great old-fashioned is one of my favorite things I felt the feeling I would love to have this yeah but it's not on par with I'm committed to creating these kind of results from a health standpoint so I ordered a bourbon neat and that was great mm -hmm. and I look at the menu there's a hundred things on the menu that I would love to have yeah but I chose something that lined up with that commitment. My choice came from that place of commitment. I didn't even have to think about the other things. The thought came up. I saw it, 
but I didn't have to take it seriously. It didn't do anything. It didn't pull me in. Yeah. Uh, the waiter comes and asks if we like dessert menus. I'm so used to just saying no. The friends we were with said, yeah, we'd love to take a look at them. They put them in front of us. Now they're talking about the desserts. They're talking about the cheesecake. They're talking about the the things that are on offer. She's telling us the specials. Of course, I have thoughts and thinking around how deli- I love sweets. I have a same incredible here. sweet tooth. So as she's talking, I am literally tasting these. Like I, I, I taste it. I say, of course, I want these things. Yeah. Who wouldn't? There was a time in my life where I believed I like I used to wonder what was wrong with me. Like, why in the world am I fat and still craving French fries and cookies? Like, what is wrong with me? Yeah. Well, it's obvious. French fries and cookies are delicious. Like, <laughs> like yeah. that take a rocket science to understand why somebody would crave those things. Yeah. My friends ordered dessert. I didn't order dessert. They spun their plate around. Hey, do you want a bite? I didn't take a bite because all of those decisions came from this place of commitment. Yeah. And if my doing is consistently coming from my commitment to my goals, what I'm trying to create in my life or in my business or in my marriage or anywhere else, then that commitment will create miracles. No commitment, no miracle. I like that. Commitment creates miracles. You guys need to interact with um, Daryl online. I've looked at several of your Facebook posts and your live streams and your quotes and everything. It's very, it's very, very inspirational, very motivational. Um, I highly suggest that you guys do that while we're mentioning that. How do people find you on Facebook and social media? They just type in Daryl Sweeney. Yeah. Just make sure you spell it right. Yeah. And so, and so go ahead and clarify D, that. Yeah. yeah. It's D E R Y L last name is Sweeney S W E E N E Y. Um, I am most active on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, and here's what I would say about that. And, and you know, I, I will tell you where I've gotten it. I don't want to say wrong. It's just evolved. When I first got into coaching, I really believed that it was my job to be the expert, that I had to inspire people and motivate people, and I had to show them that I knew what I was talking about. And for people to want to work with me, I had to know more than them and be more than them and, and all these other things. And that came from a place of insecurity for me. And I can see it really clearly. It came from a place of insecurity. It came from seeing myself and having thinking around not being enough. Yeah, what you're not hiding. God, I hope they never see the real me. Maybe they'll buy into this character that I'm creating online. And it's just really evolved into, like, I'm building a business of service. Um, I deeply connect with people. I work with people for a long time. We do deep, incredible, transformational work. And I am building this business one person at a time, one conversation at a time. And I see Facebook and social media as an extension of that. So I no longer share. I don't tell people what I think they should do. Hey, go do this in your life. They'll figure that out. We're all smart enough to figure that out on our own. Instead, I share things from my experience that I'm learning, that I'm seeing, that I'm just figuring out in hopes that it might serve somebody else and hopes that it might help somebody else see something a little differently. It might challenge somebody's thinking just a little bit, just that much so they can crack a door and for the first time maybe ever they can see what's on the other side. So that's how I use social media is I don't get wrapped up in, you know, what is the best thing to create. I just share what's going on in my life. Some of it's personal, some of it's professional some of the stories about clients or things that i see out in the market i shared a great story of an experience we had with santa over the weekend yeah because i saw that that business and how they did that was being excellence nice right and so many of my clients we want to be excellence i'm always telling them who are you being in your business who are you being as an organization 
And so when I see excellence, I like to share stories. So I share all kinds of stuff on there. And you're Daryl Sweeney business coach, but you're just living your life. You're just Daryling out there. Yeah. And it can, it can kind of wade into the professional aspects. It can wade into the personal aspects. There's really like, there's no, there's no distinction there. Is there none whatsoever? There, there really isn't a distinction between work and play for me. Um, I, I just happen to choose the game of coaching. Yeah. That's the game I'm playing. Right. But this isn't living, right? Living is something fundamentally different. Yeah. This just happens to be a game that I chose to play. And the reality for me is that coaching isn't a thing I do to serve people, to partner with people, to help people see possibility and create, to shift off of a default path and create what it is, identify and create what it is that they really want. I mean, I do that for my clients. I do that in one-off conversations. I do that with people I meet at line and stores. I mean, it's just, it's just who I am. We teased earlier, um, the next phase of your life after the, um, business selling college products, um, ran its course and then you married your wife. Can you, is what you do now that second phase or is there Mm, a bit of a story there? Cause we teased that we have to do it. Yeah. It's a lot. So, so, you know, I talked about this being, a very nonlinear path. And that's what I used to see. Of course it makes sense now, but when we got married and moved to Indianapolis, um, for the first time in a decade, I had to find a job. I didn't know anybody in Indianapolis. I didn't really have a resume, um, other than what I started with when I first graduated college. So it was all new, but I had an incredible, I met a man named Jerry McColgan who was running a um, consumer focused innovation company. And I felt like, in the experience I told you about previously, I really discovered my passion for people. Like Mm. I just, I loved people and he helped this business helped. It's called Collidia and it helped companies, product companies develop new products. And they did that by through ethnography. They would go into ethnography the study of the ethnics and geography. It's, it's, It's the idea of going into people's natural environments and observing the way they interact with products. Ethnography. So for example, a client was Delta faucet. So we would go into people's homes. We would watch a family cook dinner. We'd watch a family eat dinner. We'd watch a family clean up dinner. And we do this over and over and over and over and over again. And what we look for is compensatory behaviors. So Delta faucet makes sinks. Mm. Well, why in these 40 hours of footage, do we keep seeing people turn on and off their kitchen faucet with their elbow? That's a compensatory behavior that is outside of the product design. Hmm. So you start asking questions. You get really curious about it. You can see how this could help this in coaching. Forming your, yeah. Um, you get really curious about it and you find out, well, when I'm in process, when I have chicken on my hands, the last thing I want to do is touch the handle. Yeah. And then through those insights through helping these organizations have insights about how people are using their products. Yeah. Things like the touchless faucet are born. Yeah. Right. So that, so we were in that front end of product development. And I always say that Jerry really helped me kind of bring a science based background to my love of people. And I would study behavior and how people interact with things with each other in organizations and just get really curious about it. And kind of, he, he helped grow kind of what was already bubbling up. Um, from there, I ended up at Herp Jones, which made class rings and caps and gowns and yearbooks. And at the time, you know, when I graduated high school, you just got in line and you bought a class ring, you doled out $300 and that was a thing. Yeah. Well, the company was losing double digit market share. And I actually approached them while working for this other company to say, hey, it's obvious that you've lost relevance with the clients, with the customer base you serve. 
we're a company that does the kind of research that helps ferret out unmet needs and helps you position your organization to solve them. And the marketing director I first met said, nobody around here talks like that. You should meet my boss. Yeah. And then I met the GM and I said the same thing. I said, it's obvious you all are selling a bunch of stuff nobody wants or nobody needs. And you all have no, you've lost all relevance. I understand you're a billion dollar company. You've lost all relevance with the clients you're trying to serve. Nobody talks like that around here. You need to meet our president. So really quickly, they, they asked me to come on. They extended me an offer. I let them know we'd be moving back to Louisville. They said, we'll take you as long as we can get you. And that got really fun. I did some education technology. I ended up, they put me in the traditional marketing department and uh, it was just too much for the, for this very hundred year old structured organization. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up on an education technology, a uh, skunk works team where we were really building and creating. Um, so it was a fun entrepreneurial job under this huge corporate umbrella, but came back to Louisville, um, left that when we moved back, my son was born. I joined a small marketing, um, marketing and advertising agency from there i launched my own marketing and advertising we weren't an agency but i did hyper targeted marketing so my own marketing technology business and 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 i would just always make time for people you know people would reach out and say hey i know you went through a partner divorce and i've got some stuff going on can i pick your brain or hey i want Mm. to move out of the corporate world and i want to launch a business i know you can i pick your brain I just always made myself available. I, I enjoyed those conversations. And people used to say, you should be a coach. You should be a coach. And I coached soccer my whole life, and that was the extent of what I knew about coaching. Yeah. Um, and then I started hiring coaches in my own life to help me with things that I couldn't figure out. And I started to tell people, coaching will be my next, last career. And then like 2019-ish, I just thought, I don't know what I'm waiting for. Um, I had built a really nice business. It was growing like crazy, but it felt very transactional for me because I did a lot of marketing projects. So mm-hmm. it felt very transactional. And I wanted to go deeper with people. I didn't want to hang out on the surface level. I said, I don't know what I'm waiting for. And I found a place to learn more about this thing called coaching and uh, launched my business not long after. Wow, and the rest is history. What a great story. So much, uh, like you said, nonlinear path there. Um, but each stop along the way, it's obvious, armed you with the tools that you needed and the experience that you yeah. needed to kind of form where you where you are today. Um, I have three questions for you. <laughs> this segment of three questions is brought to you by our nonprofit, See Good to Be Good, which aims to act as a source of hope, motivation, and inspiration to help folks achieve their dreams. We're currently accepting donations of time and or money to help fund our needs-based scholarship to help a young person pay for their education in the arts. If you'd like to help us, please let us know. Question number one, why are you successful? Before I answer that, I will say that is an incredible cause, and I love that you guys are doing that. So this is a great example. Thank you for who you're being in the world. That matters. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right, so I guess I've run out of my stalling time. (laughs) (laughs) So... Why am I successful? Am I remembering the question right? Yeah. This is what's known as ambush journalism, by the way. No, this is beautiful. I am successful because I am that everything I do matters. Nothing I do is wasted. And that every stop, every mistake, as some people would call it, ever like all of it matters. Right? And I have learned and grown and stretched, and I see it all as additive and nothing lacking that has brought me to this place at this time. And I've constantly been building for as long as I can remember. 
Wow. Would you say it's a choice to make things matter? You can look back back on something you thought was a loss at the time, and you're like, oh, oh now after some distance from that, I learned from it. Yeah, because it's all thought created. Yeah. It's all thought created. So anything that happened, if it's back there, if it's in our past, this goes back to where we started. It's a circumstance. It's just a fact. Mm-hmm. This thing happened. right? But our minds, we get so busy. We're meaning-making machines. So are you going to make that mean something that serves you and that serves what you're trying to create in your business or out in the world? Or are you going to be making it as something that keeps you small, that detracts? It's a choice. I like that. You know, quantum physics teaches us that just by observing something, we, we bring it into reality, the reality that we all know. Not only are we, what'd you call us again? We're, we're meaning making machines. We're meaning making machines. There's an argument that we are reality making machines, that, that the very reality that we take for granted every day is a product of, uh, of human interaction, human thought, human motivation, human words. It's powerful if you think about it. I deeply agree with that sentiment. Yeah. Okay. Every, our entire existence is thought created, right? You are entirely thought created in my mind. Right. The the work that I do, the clients I serve, my wife, my kids, all of this is experienced through mental thought. Mm-hmm. Right. So so I, I we create we're always creating our own reality. Some people just don't realize it. Yeah. yeah. They don't realize that you can create your own reality. You can start make a decision right now in this moment to create a different reality. Yeah. yeah. Sidney Banks says, you know, he, he was a ironically a Scottish welder living in Canada, but came up with these things called the three principles. And one of the things he says is we're only a thought away, Mm. right? Because we get to choose moment to moment, right? And if we think we're two thoughts away, we're missing it completely. We're only a thought away. So when I challenge clients say, who are you being? And when we're not being that, when we're not being committed to that goal, we're not being the person who can achieve that, who can create that. This moment is a moment to choose this instead, to get back on track, to bring ourselves back into integrity and honor our commitment to the thing we're trying to create or achieve. I like that. Question number two, why are you happy? It's not a dramatic pose, folks. He literally, <laughs> he literally seriously considers his thoughts and his words before he answers. I think that needs to be said. Yeah. Why am I happy? Honestly, it's a great question. I, I am happier right now in my life than I have ever been mm. before. And I'm happy. I'm happiest now because I think I've learned and I can really see that there aren't things outside of me. My happiness is not a byproduct of my circumstance of what I have or don't have, that my happiness is a choice. And I get to choose that. I get to choose that moment to moment. Now, I love what I've built. Right? I can point to the house I live in. I can point to the trips we get to take. I, I can point to my 2014 F-150 parked out front. I mm. love my truck. Mm-hmm. Um, I can point to my two incredible kids and my beautiful, brilliant, challenging, um, supportive wife. And I can say, those things make me happy. I'm happy because what I have. But I know it's all bull. I know Mm -hmm. none of it's true. Mm -hmm. I know that my happiness is experienced from the inside out. 
and I create from that place. So the second that my happiness stopped being dependent on everyone and everything else outside of me, I just continue each day feels like happier and happier and happier. Mm, Well said. I'm in a similar place. Um, Third question. What obligation do you feel to help other people? None. None. No obligation? Not even from an internal? No, I I feel motivation. Um, I'm committed. I feel commitment, but it's not an obligation. Um, An obligation is a big word to me because... I, I I am. You're the first person who's pushed back on that. I like that. I I am a. Some might call it a recovering people pleaser. Oh, well, there we go. Um, okay. And so, and 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 I realize, and I see that again. While I used to think, David, I used to think I was a just a great person. Like I am, I am that guy. I am. I've thought fondly of myself there for everybody, <laughs> and I'm doing all this stuff. And, yeah. and what a great guy my parents raised yeah and then i woke up and i saw <laughs> that's great the manipulation in it i saw what i needed from them right I, I was looking for validation i was looking for people to tell me that i was valuable that i was worthy and now i know that i am worthy i am valuable i am whole i am already perfectly daryl and i don't need to do anything i don't need to serve you or serve my clients or serve my family even I don't become a better person on the other side of that. I don't become more whole on the other side of that. Mm. These are just choices that I make to show up and powerfully serve. These are the games that I play because I enjoy them. And I believe that we're all connected. Wow. Obligation, I've I've, I've recently learned, is a loaded or a dirty term when you're talking to a recovering (laughs) people pleaser, right? (laughs) You said that with some conviction. I like that. I'm going to go off uh, script here. I have a fourth question for you. Okay. You mentioned earlier growing up a black African-American with two black uh, parents in a primarily white school and neighborhood and everything. Yeah. Um, I want, what's your message to people out there who might fit into one of those minority categories, whether it's LGBTQ, whether you're a woman, whether you're from a different country or a different culture or a different religion, what's your message to those people and how you can transcend that, how it, how it doesn't have to limit you and how your mindset can play into being successful, finding happiness, breaking through all those so-called limitations. Do you have a message to those people? Yeah. It's another beautiful question. Have you ever considered coaching? <laughs> um, I, honestly, the thing that's coming up for me as you ask that question is I would encourage anybody to find out who they are to do the work to really find out who they are. And this is new for me. It is literally in the last month, I know exactly who I am. And before before that, who I thought I was, was getting in the way. Mm. It was slowing me down. It made it uncomfortable and difficult to navigate spaces. Um, Can I tell you a quick story? Please. So, and I will leave this up to you uh, later on before we finish. I can share a little bit about who I am, but I will leave that um, to your discretion. Share whatever you want to share. But the story is, the story is what's come out of this process of discovering who I am. Um, So I saw a guy in the gym uh, one morning a few weeks ago and 
I recognized them, but I hadn't seen them in probably 10, 15 years. We went to middle school together. We went to high school together. And, you know, we dapped it up. We said hi. And, and we said, you know, we should catch up. We should grab coffee. And we did. And I showed up to that conversation. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm comfortable leading with a bit of vulnerability. And, I, and I'm, I don't remember what I said or what I did. But I apparently opened a door because we had a really honest, deep conversation about what was going on in my life and some of the challenges that I've experienced in it and what was going on in his life personally and professionally. And it was just a deep conversation. And I shared with him what I call my document. It's a, something that I created and, and that has walked me into really seeing and understanding who I am. And I shared it with him. And I could tell he got something from it. And, and as we were wrapping up the conversation, he said, man, Daryl, this, this conversation is not what I expected. Which I love. Like I said, yeah. I love challenging people's thinking. Yeah, that's and, the payoff. And, and I love that. And then he said this. He said, why didn't we hang out more in high school? Ooh. And I thought for a second. And I looked up and I told him, I said, that's on me. I said, we didn't hang out more in high school because I didn't think I was black enough to hang out with other black people. I didn't think that my East End middle class black experience counted. Wow. And so I hid from people like you. There's some vulnerability. And he was quiet. And you could tell he didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. and I remember walking out as a Starbucks. I remember walking out of Starbucks and standing on the sidewalk, and it blew me. Like I surprised myself that this thing that I'd known is true my whole life. I just said out loud to another person. Yeah. But that comes from a place of not having to hide who I am, not you know having to hide the parts of me that I think don't make me look good, not having to live in and lean into what other people think yeah. of knowing who I am. So that's the byproduct. So anybody in those marginalized communities or minority communities that you speak of, I think the fastest path to having everything you ever wanted is to get real damn sure about who you are. Because once you know that, mm. then what they think just matters less. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, It's uh, instead of leading with what you're not, you, you know what you are, and so what you're not is irrelevant. It's what you are that matters. Yeah. Wow. That's profound. With what, that, with that, um, can I share my document uh, please. with Please. I'm a free speech guy, man. All right, cool. All right, so I have not uh, memorized this, so I'm going to read it. But this, is, this came out of a process that I did with my coach. And when you talk about the power of coaching, again, I hired him to work on my business. And in the process of that and the work we do, I have discovered and really know who I am. And the powerful thing about what I'm about to share is these are not affirmations. These are not goals. This is not a place to go to out there. This is me knowing exactly who I am right now in this moment. And the miracles that I'm creating in my business with my clients and for myself come from my commitment to being what I call my document. I am the perfect mix of boldness and love. I am that my determination is greater than my fear. I am that nothing is wasted. Everything I do matters. I am that my sensitivity is my superpower and my emotions are a gift. I am that it's none of my business what other people think. I am connection and authenticity. I am my word. I am that nobody is worthy of my judgment, especially me. I am perfectly Daryl in this and in every moment. I am worthy and I am enough. 
I am always at the exact best place on my journey. I am a focused athlete who does, who does whatever it takes. I am that I first commit, then I show up. I am that I give freely to myself and to others. I am that I create excellence everywhere in my life and help others do the same. I am always in demand, personally and professionally. I am the total package. I am that I make this look good, and I'm getting better with age. I am an amazing husband and father. I am that I love my wife Meredith exactly as she is. I am the perfect husband for Meredith, my perfect wife. I am a loving role model for my sons, Samuel and Noah. I am that this is wealth and abundance. I am deeply loved and loving deeply. This is who I am, and this is who I create myself to be. And my mother and father named me Daryl. Wow. (laughs) That's profound and moving, man. And you say it with such conviction because you believe it. You know who you are. You don't have to believe it. It's obvious. You know it. And I'm creating myself to be, every time I share it. So thank you very much, sincerely, for the opportunity. Thank you for I the inspiration. I am creating myself when I share it with clients, when I share it with my wife and my kids, when I read this every morning when I wake up and yeah. every night when I go to bed. When I say commitment creates miracles, my commitment to being this wow. is creating the miracles in my life. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for the inspiration, man. Seriously, that's pro- probably the most moving segment i've done this is episode 27 i believe wow and the look on your face man just the the focus and the sincerity and the you know it man you know it more you know you know that you know it (laughs) and every time you say it you know it a little more that's it yeah that's awesome man thanks for sharing that we're gonna wrap things up here again thank you again daryl sweeney for being our guest he's a business coach he works locally and with clients around the world he can help you if you're an entrepreneur, a leader, or a professional, reach your professional goals. And he's not just going to help you reach those professional goals. He's going to help you um, walk with you on a, on a path of self-discovery to where you can make real change that will transcend both just your professional life, also your personal life, and help you discover who you are and be confident in that. Um, you can interact with him on social media. He prefers, or he's primarily on, rather, Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also send him an email to daryl at darylsweeney.com. That's D-E-R-Y-L at daryl, D-E-R-Y-L. Sweeney is at S-W-E-E-N-E-Y.com. That's darylsweeney.com. I highly recommend you do. Um, I'm going to take a moment here and mention the law of attraction. I'm sure you're familiar with that. I was just thinking this morning that I need to pull excerpts. I think we talked about it. You just give me my excerpt, man. That is going to be the excerpt for this. It's going to be incredible. It are, it stands on its own. It, it stands on its own. It is what it is. Uh, so thank you for that. And I'm excited about the conversations we can get started with this on Facebook and our seven other platforms. Yeah, man. So, Thanks for having me. This was a blast. I, I, I deeply enjoyed it. Likewise, man. The privilege is mine. It's a real honor to have you on, and thank you for that. The great Winston Churchill once said, success is stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. I'm sitting across from a man who's not lacking enthusiasm. If you would like to be a guest on our show or you would like help creating and or distributing your own podcast content, please contact us for more information. We'd love to help you out. I'd like to take a moment to thank myself because without me, none of this would be possible. I script and cast the show, host and produce the show, And I edit and distribute the show online to our eight platforms. I know I'm a little biased, but I'd like to thank myself for those contributions. And thank you again to our guest, Daryl Sweeney, for being with us today. 
Thank you to our listeners and our sponsors for making this podcast possible and hopefully successful. And we'll see you real soon again on a future episode of the Respect the Math podcast.